Salvete, discipuli. There's a Latin greeting for you as we begin our exercises for Unit 23. Salvete, of course, comes from the Latin salveo, which means to be well, to be healthy. So the plural imperative, salvete, is a common Latin greeting. Be well, uh, hello, good day. So let's take a look at our... Um, our drills on page 199. Now remember that uh, unit 23 represents the final unit for our Latin 2 class and following this recording we will take a break for several weeks during Lent and resume our uh, process of going through the Collins book and a Latin 3 class which will uh, pick up with unit 24 sometime around Easter. So stay tuned to the uh, St. Uh, Agnes portal uh, for further uh, news on when that class will resume. But for now, let's take a look at number Roman numeral 2 under result clauses on page 199. And the first one, Maria Estam Mesta, Ut Jesum anoscere non posit. There we have it. Maria estam mesta. Maria is so sad. Now, when we see a word like tom, ita, or seek, or the adjectives tantus or talis, and, and the like, we're going to expect that a result clause is coming. So Maria is so sad. How sad is she? That the result is that she is not able to recognize Jesus. When you see one of these key words in the uh, main clause, you can rest assured if you see an ut coming after it, that it's going to be a result clause. Okay? And notice that the uh, sequence of tense is according to our chart that we learned a few lessons ago. We have est in the primary uh, sequence in the main clause. Therefore, we're going to have posit in the present subjunctive uh, in the subordinate clause. Okay, number two. Vir fide erat ita plenus ut sanaretur. There we have ita again in the main clause, another one of these sign words. So we see the man, the man was Ita plenus, so filled with fide. Notice fide in the ablative following plenus, normal construction. He was so filled with faith that the result was he was healed. Another result clause, and this time we have the secondary sequence, don't we? Because in our main verb, uh, we see that it's erot, the imperfect tense. So we're in the bottom half of the chart. And that requires, uh, for a purpose clause, a time showing subsequent to the main verb, the imperfect subjunctive. So study your chart, and uh, it will not lead you astray. Number three, there's a little bit of a variation there. Let's take a look at that one. Jesus siclocutus est, ut mulier dominum eum vocaret. Now here... We see that Jesus is the subject. We have one of those signpost words, seek, locutus est. Jesus spoke thus, or in such a way, thusly. Locutus est, deponent verb, 
Um, and then we notice uh, that uh, it's followed by an inward clause uh, that the woman uh, called him Lord. Uh, oh, I, I, was, uh, I was ahead of myself. I'm sorry. This is perfectly regular. Jesus uh, spoke. There's your perfect tense. So we're in the second secondary sequence, the bottom half of the chart. And um, he spoke in such a way that the result was the woman called him Dominum. Notice Dominum is an objective complement, isn't it? She called him Lord. This must refer to the woman at the well again with the, the uh, fourth chapter of John's Gospel. Um, so the, woman, the result was the woman called him Lord. Notice imperfect subjunctive because we're in secondary sequence. Okay. Uh, I think those things are, I think those clauses are pretty well uh, understood by you. I hope so. I think they're pretty clear. Let's take a look at number four. Is ita orat ut deus eum audiat. Is uh, is uh, from is ea id, and standing as a pronoun, as we said, it often functions in that capacity in Latin. Uh, this fellow prays ita in such a way, there's one of your uh, signpost words, that deus eum audiat, that God hears or listens to him. There we have the present subjunctive. We're in the primary sequence in the top half of the chart because orat is present. Okay, so this fellow prays in such a way that God hears him or listens to him. Okay, number five. Eis sic sunt ut eis dominus misereretur. Okay, so we have a plural here, ae. They are the subject. These fellows uh, suffered, pasi sunt. There's the patior, a deponent verb in the perfect tense, so we're in the bottom half of the chart. They suffered so much, in such a degree, or thusly, they suffered, that the result was the Lord took pity on them. He pitied them. And miserere there takes the dative case, eis. Okay, I think those are fairly straightforward. Uh, th th these are illustrating, uh, these sentences were illustrating purpose clauses. Uh, remember, we say the purpose clause uh, will be most often cued by one of these signpost words. Doesn't have to be, but most often it is. Now let's take a look at Roman numeral th numeral three, uh, where uh, we have what Collins calls characterizing relative clauses. I simply call them relative clauses of characteristic. That's the more common term. Uh, means really the same thing. These are relative clauses that have a, as their antecedent a negative, indefinite uh, sort of antecedent or one uh, or the clause is one that is describing a general characteristic about the antecedent and not speaking about a specific thing or person. If they were doing so, and we're speaking specifically, we would just use the indicative in the relative clause. But when we move into the realm of doubt or uncertainty, we're going to have the subjunctive mood take over. So here, let's take a look at 
uh, these, and I think you'll get the idea as we go through them. Is est qui bene content. Content, sorry. Is est qui bene content. Okay, so that means this guy is the sort of person who sings well, who chants well. Notice content is the uh, subjunctive present. We're in the primary sequence because est is the main verb, and that's uh, in the present. So we're in the top half of our chart. And he is the sort of person. He is one who sings well. If we wanted to talk about a specific person singing well, we'd use the indicative cantat with an A, right? Okay. Uh, number two. A, A, mulieres erant que semper lacrimarentur. So again, we have uh, these women as the subject. They're the subject. Were These were women of the sort who always were crying or lamenting. Take a look at that. Now, these were women uh, who were always crying. Notice, la crimarentur is in the subjunctive. It's in the imperfect tense. We're in the secondary sequence on the bottom half of the chart. And again, it's telling the characteristic of these women. That's why it's a general kind of characteristic. Therefore, we use the subjunctive in the relative clause. Uh, take a look at number three. Ei sunt indigni qui ad altari de adveniant. So again, we see adveniant there. We see the subjunctive in the relative clause. So we must assume it's a relative clause of characteristic. These people are uh, unworthy, uh, unworthy sorts who might come to the altar of God or to come to the altar of God. They are unworthy to come to the altar of God. Um, so it's again describing the sort of people that are, uh, that are being talked about and therefore they're the type that are unworthy to come to the altar of God. So I hope you're getting the idea of this relative clause of characteristic. Um, uh, as we practice them, you'll see them. And again, in translation, this shouldn't really be a problem for you because you'll see that it's a relative clause. And um, to get the nuance of whether or not it's talking about a general antecedent, you simply check your verb, and if it's subjunctive, you know that's what's happening. Whereas if it's an indicative, you know that the author's intending you to know that that antecedent is a specific person or thing about which the clause uh, is talking. Let's take a look at four. No visti orationem que dominum glorificet. Okay. Now, we have uh, something happening here with the verb novisti. Remember from Nosco, remember getting to know you in the perfect state. I have come to know you, therefore I know. So you know, it's a question. Do you know a prayer which glorifies God? Now notice, glorificet is in the subjunctive. So we don't have a specific prayer in mind. But what we're asking here is, do you know a prayer the sort of which glorifies God, 
or I'm sorry, Dominum, uh, the Lord, the Lord, not Deum Dominum, the Lord. So do you know a prayer, the sort of which, the sort of kind of prayer that, that glorifies God? That's the question. And that subjunctive uh, makes it a relative clause of characteristic. Uh, oh, and the point here about novisti is even though it's perfect tense, it's that perfective acts, uh, aspect that continues on in the present. Therefore, it's still in the primary sequence and glorificet is in the present subjunctive. Okay, number five. Ei sunt qui vobiscum confringat panem? Question. Are those the sort of people who break bread with you? It's a question. And again, we know that ei sunt qui are relatively unsure, un, uh, not specific people. They're uh, general. Uh, and so, we, because the verb confringant is in the subjunctive. So it's a relative clause of characteristic. We're talking about the characteristic or the character of the antecedent. Are those the sort of people who break bread uh, with you, vobiscum. Very good. And finally, sunt qui in Jesum non credant. Again, we see sunt qui, and we see the verb credant. We see it in the subjunctive. We you know oh, this has to be a relative clause of characteristic. And the antecedent is the people, the people contained in the sunt qui. They are the type of people who non credant don't believe in Jesus. There are those who, sunt qui, there are people who, there are the type who, right? Non-specific. They are the type who do not believe in Jesus. Okay, so those are your relative clauses of characteristic. Let's move on to our exercises, uh, the sentences we have on pages 200 and 201. And we were doing the uh, even-numbered exercises uh, this, this week. So let's take a look at number two. Hoc facite in meam commemorationem. We go to Mass. Uh, you hear this. The priests say this. Do this. Facite. Notice that's the plural imperative of the verb facio. Y'all. You. Do this. Hoc. In meam commemorationem. Into literally my memory or my commemoration. Do this in memory of me following the consecration of the... Uh, uh, the uh, bread and wine. Okay, uh, I think that's pretty clear. Let's take a look at four. Shimus autem quoniam diligentibus deum omnia cooperantur in bonum. His qui secundum propositum vocati sunt. This is from the book of Romans, <clears throat> the epistle to the Romans. We know, Shimus, however, that... Now, what do we have here in the indirect statement here? Diligentibus deum omnia cooperantur. Omnia is the subject. It has to be in the nominative. All things cooperate or work together in bonum toward the good. Well, what's diligentibus deum? For those, his diligentibus, for those loving God. Notice. Uh, this is a datum of reference, in reference to those loving God. And notice, diligentibus is the participle from diligo, 
to love, diligens, diligentis. Here we have diligentibus in the dative plural. For all those uh, loving God, all, for those loving God, all things work together for the good. As we said, heast, for those people who, vocati sunt, have been called according to the decree or to the proposition, propositum, to the thing proposed. That's the decree, as he points out here. So we know that for those people loving God, diligentibus deum, all things work for the good. To those, for those, he repeats that uh, in reference to the diligentibus, to those who have been called according to the decree. Very good. The word cooperantur, opero, operor, means to work. Cooperor, co, co I'm sorry, can't uh, speak clearly today. Cooperor means to work together. We get the word, obviously, cooperate, meaning to work together. Okay, uh, number six. Vides, quoniam, fides, cooperabatur. There's that same word. Operibus ilius. <clears throat> Here the question. Do you see that faith was cooperating with the works of that one? With that one's works? Very good. From the letter of the Apostle James. Do you see how faith was cooperating? Notice it's imperfect tense. Cooperabatur. Uh, was cooperating. Uh, and when you cooperate, you normally cooperate with something in the ablative or with people in the ablative. Do you see how faith was cooperating with the works of that person? James asserting that uh, not it's not faith alone, but faith and works, which merits salvation, eternal salvation. Okay, um, I don't think that there's anything too complicated in that sense. Let's look at number eight, which will <clears throat> be somewhat familiar to you, I think. Et cum oratis non eritis sicut hypocrite, qui amant in synagogis et in anglis platearum stantes orare ut videantur ab hominibus. So, we start off with a cum clause with the indicative. When you pray, non eritis, you will not be secret, just like the hypocrite, the hypocrites. Qui, relative clause, qui ama, now notice that Jesus here speaking uses the indicative, not the subjunctive, so he has people specifically in mind, who love both on the corners of the plateas or the street corners, uh, to orare, stantes orare, who, who standing love to pray ut in order that they might be seen by people, ab hominibus. So when you pray, you will not be like the hypocrites who, in this, who love to pray standing on, in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they might be seen by people or by men. In order that, that's a purpose clause, isn't it? So these, uh, these <clears throat> excuse me, hypocrites love to stand there on the corners of the platei, the squares, the public squares, the street corners, and in the synagogues 
And they love to notice that Amat takes the infinitive there, who love to orare, pray. And, and stantes is a participle modifying them in the nominative, who love to pray. How are they praying? Standing, right? Standing on the street corners and in the synagogues. And they do this ut videantur ab hominibus in order that they might be seen by people. Okay, we know that passage, I think, and um, it's a good example of a purpose clause. This is why they do something. Okay, number 10, a very famous Latin saying, sic transit gloria mundi. Thus uh, passes the glory of the world. Gloria mundi is a subject. So in this manner, the glory of the world passes, goes away, transpires, okay? Uh, it says here that it's... Uh, spoken during the coronation of a new pope. It's often become a very famous Latin saying uh, that one says after somebody leaves office or used to be an important person and now their glory is gone. All glory is fleeting, right? So so the glory of the world passes. Sic uh, transit gloria mundi. You may have heard that expression in Latin, a famous Latin word or expression. All right, uh, let's take a look at 12. Hic nox redit innocentiam lapsis et mestis laetitiam. Ah, nice sense. Again, this, uh, this hic nox refers to the night of the Easter vigil. Uh, this uh, uh, sentence comes from the great Easter hymn that's chanted by the deacon uh, at the Easter vigil. This night returns innocence lapsis. To those who have fallen, to those who have lapsed, we get the word lapse, of course, from the, those who have slipped, and to the sad, it returns laetitiam, joy. We have a nice uh, uh, chiasmus there. We talked about chiasmus, I think, last week. Uh, it gets its name from the letter, the Greek letter key, but what, it, what chiasmus is, is an ABB arrangement. So notice, here we have innocentiam, accusative, Lapsis, dative, mestis, dative, laetitiam, accusative, A-B-B-A, accusative, dative, dative, accusative. It doesn't have to be datives and accusative, can be anything, can be like an adjective, noun, noun, adjective, and so forth. It's, a, it's called a chiastic arrangement. So this night returns innocence to the fallen and to the sad, uh, it returns joy. Uh, nice sentence. Okay, let's take a look at 14. Ece faciam illos, ut veniant et adorent ante pedos tuos, et sciant quia ego delexite, from the book of Revelations or Apocalypse. Okay, so ece, behold, look. That's what ece means, behold, look. Faciam illos, I will make them ut, so here we have one of these noun clauses uh, of purpose. We, we, we call them uh, noun clauses of result or purpose. And here with the verb, uh, with a verb like facio or efficio, um, we have what's called a substantive clause of result. It's a noun clause of result. I make it that you do something. Um, it's related very much to the uh, what we call the just of noun clauses with verbs of urging, ordering, uh, and so on. 
Um, so we see here that uh, we say, Milos, I will make them that they come. I will make them to come and adore before your feet. Right? So I will cause them that they come. Notice Vaniat's in the subjunctive, at adore in the subjunctive, and adore ante pedestus before your feet at shiant, and they will know. Now notice we change, we're no longer in the subjunctive because now we're talking about them, and they will know in the future. That's fourth conjugation, i.e., the sign of the future. They will know, quia ego dilexite, that I have loved you or that I love you. I have loved you and I am still loving you. It's a perfective aspect of that verb. So I will make them come and adore before your feet, worship before your feet, and they will know that I have and still do love you from Revelations. That's a nice sentence. Uh, I hope you have it now. Uh, we didn't do 15, but we've seen it before. Let's just take a quick look. Sic enim dilexit Deus mundum, ut filium suum unigenitum daret. Okay, God so loved the world that the result was he gave his only begotten son. Uh, ut omnes, so that everyone, qui created in him, who believes in him, non pereat, might not perish. There's the result. So that everyone might not perish, who believes in him. Notice credits in the indicative, therefore it's speaking of specific believers, but might have vitam eternum, uh, might have eternal life. We know that passage very well. Uh, John 3.16, people hold the sign up at football games and basketball games and so forth. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. God so loved the world that the result was, result clause, he gave his only begotten son so that everyone who believes in him Non periat might not perish, but might have eternal life. There you have it. Okay, 16. Si confiteamur peccata nostra, fidelis est et justus, ut remitat nobis peccata. Okay, from the first letter of John. If, now notice, we have an if clause, a si clause, and we have the, uh, we have the uh, subjunctive there. So we're going to expect, as, as soon as we see that, at least a partial uh, future less vivid condition. Remember, the should-would condition, two subjunctives, in uh, one in each clause. If we should confess our sins, he is faithful and just, ut, so that the result is he remits our sins. Interesting. Uh, that fidelis et justus, we don't have a key word there, or a Q word, as I like to call it, but <clears throat> it is introducing a result clause. Uh, if, we should, uh, if we should confess our sins, must be talking about God here, obviously, he is faithful and just. He is so faithful and just that the result is he remits sins in reference to us. Uh, I think that sentence is pretty clear. Uh, it shows you an instance where your result clause doesn't have that, that Q word, um, but it wouldn't make sense for it to be a purpose clause, so it's obviously a result here. He, he is so just and faithful that the result is he, he dismisses or forgives our sins. Okay, uh, number 18. 
et viso eo rogabant ut transiret ad finibus eorum. Ah, here's a good construction. We haven't seen one in a while, and I hope you remember it. You're reading along and you see viso eo. Eo, viso, what in the world is that? Well, it's an ablative standing out there by itself uh, with a noun or pronoun in the ablative and a participle modifying it. Ah, yes, it must be an ablative absolute, and that's what it is. And so, with him having been seen, from video videre, right? Visus, right? Him having been seen, they were asking, uh, this is just a noun clause coming, they were asking that he cross over from their borders. In other words, get out of town. With him having been seen, they were asking or begging that he cross from their borders, a finibus eorum. Notice with a verb of asking or urging or requesting, um, often you have that ut plus a subjunctive clause, um, a, what we call a justive noun clause, right? A noun clause. Uh, what were they asking? The whole clause, that he leave or cross from their borders. All right. And the important thing there, eo viso, Ablative absolute, with him having been seen. We haven't had one of those in a while, so I'm glad we, uh, Colin stuck one in there for us to renew our practice on that. Um, okay, number 20 is a well-known quote from uh, Letter to the Hebrews. Tu es sacerdos in eternum secundum ordinem Melchizedek. This is the thing, this is the text that is sung or chanted at the uh, ordination of a priest or when the bishop visits a church. Tu es sacerdos in aeternum. You are a priest forever in aeternum. Secundum ordinem Melchizedek. According to the order of Melchizedek. Yes, there are many great chants and hymns and uh, choral arrangements uh, that are set to that text. That text is set to them uh, for on the occasion of ordinations or visits by the great, uh, the great priest, the bishop. Very good. Uh, let's take a look at number 22. Misertus autem dominus servi ilius dimisit eo et debitum dimisit ei. Okay, that's a fairly straightforward sentence. Uh, but uh, one that has a nice participle starting out, misertus, from miseror, right? So the, the, the master, dominus servi ilius, the master of that slave or servant, ha misertus, having taken pity, having pitied him, having been merciful, however you want to translate that, having pitied him, the master of that servant, demisit eum, dismissed him, sent him away. Uh, from Dimitro, Dimitre, Dimisit, the perfect tense, he sent him away, Eum, the accusative, at debitum Dimisit E, and he dismissed or forgave his debt in reference Ei to him. Notice that's a dative of reference. Here, dative of reference, uh, probably a dative of advantage um, because he's dismissing a debt or something owed to him, right? And he dismissed the debt in reference to him. So a uh, very, very straightforward sense. The important thing there, the participle misertus of the deponent verb. 
um, zero, right? All right. Um, we know number 24. We'll recognize that. Reino meum non es de mundo hoc. It comes from the Gospel of John. It's that part of that great scene where we see the dialogue taking place between Jesus and Pilate at Jesus' judgment. And he says, Reino me, my kingdom is not of this world. Est deo de mundo hoc. He goes on, remember, my kingdom is not of this world or from this world. If it were of this world, I would have servants here to come and free me. That's what he says. And um, I love that, that scene there. It comes shortly thereafter. The, uh, Jesus says, you might recall, and I have come into this world to testify to the truth. And that fantastically ironic uh, response by Pilate, who says then, what is the truth? What is truth? And of course, the irony of it is, he's looking truth right in the face, truth incarnate, the source of all truth. He's looking at him right in his face, face to face, and he says, what is truth? He doesn't see it right before him. Uh, remember Jesus said earlier said I am the way the truth and the life uh, fantastic passage from the gospel of John at any rate uh, here we have that famous one my kingdom is not from or of this world okay number 26 from the letter to the Romans Ita et isti nunc non crediderunt propter vestram misericordiam Ut et ipsi nunc misericordiam consequantur. Um, so it is, and those people, such people now, have not believed on account of your mercy or in your mercy, so that they themselves now might obtain mercy. Um, this is an interesting sentence. Uh, it's somewhat confusing. And again, um, when we have a sentence like this out of context, I often go to the actual uh, Vulgate text and check it out. And I see in this sentence, again, that our friend Collins is uh, playing a bit fast and loose with the Latin because in the original Vulgate text, it's not propter vestram misericordiam, but in vestram misericordiam. And I don't quite know why he decided to change it here, but uh, Paul's talking about the difference uh, between the Romans and the Hebrews, uh, the Jews, and, and, and he says, thus, even such people now have not believed, and the original text says, in your mercy, so that they themselves now obtain mercy. It's, it's, a, it's a very complicated argument that Paul is outlining. And out of context, that's what literally the sentence says. But out of context, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Um, but indeed, that's what it says. And as I point out, uh, in the original Vulgate, it's not propter but in, which makes a little bit more sense, I think. Um, these people now have not believed propter on account of your mercy. Uh, better in your mercy, so that they themselves now might obtain mercy. Um, at any rate, the important grammatical point of this sentence is that ut takes the subjunctive, 
Um, it's a purpose clause. Uh, and uh, consequentur is in the subjunctive as a result of uh, that sequence of tense. Uh, notice that it's crediderunt in that perfective way. They have not believed and they continue to not believe so that they might obtain with the present subjunctive. So it's that perfect tense used with that perfective aspect as a primary tense in the top half of your chart. Okay, uh, let's take a look at number 28. Hey, Tibi omnia dabo si cadens adoraverisme. So, heik tibi omnia dabo. I shall give heik omnia tibi all these things to you, right? I shall give them. If cadens falling down, you will have worshipped me. Adoraveris. Uh, we see what we have here is an inverted condition. We have the Future in the apodosis and the future perfect in the protosis. Therefore, it's a future more vivid condition. If falling down, you will have adored me. I will give all these things to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> um, what we have there is cadens, a participle in the nominative, singular masculine. And <clears throat> I think you'll recognize this passage from the Gospel of uh, Matthew. It's when Satan takes Jesus up to the parapet of the temple and he shows him uh, the world out below there and he says, I will give all of these things to you if falling down you will worship me. Notice Latin likes to use the future perfect in the protesis and the future in the apodosis. And that's what we have here. Okay, number 30. De corde enum exeunt cogitationes male. Okay, so we see that we have the verb exeunt cogitationes is the subject. Plural, we need a plural. Nominative, there we have it. Wicked or evil thoughts, exeunt. Go out, exit, de corde, from the heart. Enum, uh, indeed. So indeed, from the heart, wicked thoughts go out or leave, exeunt. They come out of the heart. Uh, straightforward sentence. I don't think there's anything too difficult about that one. Uh, we didn't do 31, but you hear it all the time. In church, Pax Domini sits semper vobiscum. The priest turns around and says, uh, right before communion, may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Sit semper vobiscum. It's a hortatory. It's a justive, isn't it? May the peace. It's a wish. It's a wish. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. And notice sit is the subjunctive from the verb uh, sum. Simsisit, simisitisint is the subjunctive present. May it be with you. Okay, we know that one. Number 32. Uh, ame qui operamini iniquitatem. So again, a fairly simple sentence. Dishedite, depart from me. Qui, you who operamini, you who work iniquity, you who do iniquitous things, you who do work iniquity, dishedite Notice that's the plural imperative. The T-E ending shows you plural imperative. Y'all, get away from me. Okay? And number 34, pro tanti regis victoria, tuba insonet salutaris. 
Uh, interesting little sentence there. Pro takes the ablative, doesn't it? So we look for an ablative object, and we see it there in Victoria. On behalf of the victory of such a great king, Tanti Regis, Tantus Oum, such a great, so great. On behalf of the victory, or in recognition of the victory of such a great king, Turba in sonet salutaris. Turba salutaris. What's that? The trumpet of salvation. The salvific trumpet. Let it sound in sonnet. It's a, a hortatory or justice subjunctive. Let it sound. Let it ring forth in sono, in sonnet. So that's the subjunctive there in sonare. The E is the sign of the subjunctive in the first conjugation. Let the, let the uh, salvific or the trumpet of salvation, let it sound forth. Okay. Well, that completes our sentences and the exercises. And remember, we, we did the reading, and we said that this time we were going to do the reading number one, the creed, even though we probably know it just about by heart. It's kind of nice to see it in Latin. So let's go through it and uh, see what happens in Latin. Uh, the Nicene Creed, number one under our readings on page 202. Um, credo in unum deum. So we see that we we see that it begins credo, I believe, literally in unum deum. Uh, we would say in plus the accusative means into, into one God. This is a straight translation of the Greek pisteo ace, okay, uh, into. And, and so in Latin, we translate it with the in plus the accusative as Greek used ace plus the accusative in the Greek text. We could have probably just used the dative as a good, good dative usage with the verb credo. But uh, this is following the Greek text in a sense, so it uses that same idiom, and Latin continues that idiom with the verb credo. I believe in one God. And then we have uh, a positive, what one God, the Patrum Omnipotent, uh, the Father Almighty, right? And another one, Factorum Celiaterra, the Maker, he's the Factor. The O-R suffix in Latin uh, denotes the doer like we have the er suffix in english right so he's the maker or the fashioner of heaven and earth and also of omnium visibilium of all things visible at invisibilium and invisible notice those are genitive plurals so he's the maker of heaven and earth and he's also the maker of all things that are visible and invisible is visible in other words god made everything we know that Et in unum dominum. So we continue the idea, but we, we've left off the credo here. And I believe in, in unum dominum, one Lord, Jesum Christum. Again, we have a, a series of appositives. Jesus Christ, filium, the Son, Dei unigenitum, the Son of God. What kind of Son? Unigenitum, only begotten, the unigenitum, the one begotten one, Okay. The one, the only begotten Son of God. Et ex patre natum, and from the Father born. So that's still modifying Jesus Christ, right? In the accusative. From the Father, born of the Father, ante omnia secula, before all ages. Ante omnia secula, before all ages. And now we continue with the accusatives, understanding credo in, right? Deum de Deo. God from God, <clears throat> lumen de lumine, light from light, deum verum de deo vero, God true, true God from true God, 
Latin likes to put the uh, adjective often after the noun. We don't do that very often in English. So true God from true God, genitum, uh, begotten, right? Non factum, not created. God was not, Jesus Christ was not created because he was God. He's the creator with the Father. So he was not created, begotten, not made, we say. Consubstantialum, again, all in the accusative modifying Jesum Christum, right? Consubstantial patri, to the Father, in reference to the Father, it's a dative. Okay, and consubstantialum, meaning literally with the substance of, the same substance with the Father. Consubstantial with the Father. A very important uh, theological point there about Jesus. Per quem, through whom, omnia factus, all things were made, factus, or came into being, uh, were fashioned. Okay, so we, we know that. It's nice to read all of those. All of those accusatives piling up, modifying first the Father and then Jesus Christ. Okay, now, qui, referring back to Jesus. Uh, it's a, it's a linking relative is, is often uh, the case in Latin. Um, who, referring back to Jesus, propter nos homines, on account of us human beings, homines means, of course, men with a capital M, the, the, the human race, all people, who on account of us human beings, et propter nostrum salutem, and on account of our salvation, or for our salvation, descended de celis, descended de celis, out of the heavens. Right? He came down from the heavens. Descended. Shendo means to climb. De, climb down. Ah, climb up, right? And now here comes probably the most important part of the creed, where we continue to bow and kneel when it is said, et incarnatus est de spiritu sancto ex Maria Virgine, et homo factus est. And he was, he became incarnate. He was enfleshed. Incarnatus literally means, carnus is the Latin word for flesh. Incarnatus means to become flesh. He was enfleshed. He was made incarnate. Day from the Holy Spirit, out by the Holy Spirit or of the Holy Spirit, ex Maria Virgin, from the Virgin Mary. Notice the difference between day and ex. Interesting, showing um, really the agency of uh, of Jesus's birth, right? Of the Holy Spirit from the Virgin Mary at homo factus est, and became and was made man. He was made homo, human being, right? Homo sapiens, human race, right? Crucifixus etiam pro nobis sub Pontio Pilato passus et sepultus est. St stop there for a minute. Crucifixus, these are uh, crucifixus est, passus est, sepultus est. He was crucified also, etiam pro nobis on behalf of us sub Pontio Pilato. Under Pontius Pilate, under the authority of uh, the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, sub Pontio Pilato, passus, he suffered, passus est, et sepultus est. He suffered, deponent verb, et sepultus est, and was buried. Okay? Et resurrection, these are all in the perfect, these are all in the perfect tense. Et resurrection, and he arose, tertia die, ablative of time when, 
on the third day, secundum scriptures, according to the scriptures, et ascended. So there's the opposite of descended up there a little earlier. He ascended and he ascended into heaven in Chelum. Sedet ad dexteram patris. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. So that's a whole mouthful about Jesus. Uh, the verbs come hard and fast, but they're pretty, pretty easily seen. Et iterum venturus est cum gloria judicare vivos et mortuos, cuius reini non erit finis. And again, venturus est, he is going to come. This is that paraphrastic, first paraphrastic conjugation using the future active participle from venio. He is about to come. He will come. We say he will come. Venturus. He is literally about to come again. Cum gloria. With glory. Judicare vivos et mortos. To judge the living and the dead. Notice here, judicare, the infinitive, used to show purpose. We could have very well used ut. Right? And we could have then used the uh, present subjunctive. Judicant. Or judicat in order to judge, ut udikat. But no, here the, uh, the infinitive is used. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, cuius reini non erit finis, and of whom, or of whom, the reign of whom will not, be, there will not be an end, literally. That's what it says. The reign of whom, there will not be an end. There will not be an end of the reign of whom. It's a little tricky uh, in, to say it in English, but in Latin it's pretty clear. Uh, we say whose reign will have no end. Okay, uh, He will come again and judge the living and the dead, and his, we say his kingdom will have no end. Reignum, reigni, the, the, the king, the, 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 I'm sorry, the kingdom or the reign. Um, so there will not be an end of the kingdom of whom, whose kingdom will have no end, whose reign will have no end, right? Et in spiritum sanctum, we understand credo yet again, and I believe in spiritum sanctum, in the, in the Holy Spirit, another positive, dominum et vivificantum, the Lord and the one vivificantum, that's a participle, vivifico, vivifico, to give life, the one giving life, the one vivifying, right? Qui ex patre filioque procedet, who proceeds ex patre filioque, and who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Notice this is the so-called filioque clause. Uh, if you know anything about uh, church history, the history of uh, the Western and Eastern church, you know that the filioque clause was, a, was one of great contention in the Middle Ages, in the early Middle Ages, uh, because we have here uh, the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. In the Greek church in the East, uh, the creed only says, from the Father. And there was a huge debate between the churches, an unfortunate debate that uh, ended in, uh, in uh, really separation and so forth. Um, and today, uh, the Greek church still uh, has uh, simply from the Father, whereas the Latin church or the church in the West says he proceeds from the Father and the Son. Be that it is may, 
be that as it may, this is the filioque clause, qui ex patre filioque procede, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Okay, qui, going back to the Holy Spirit, who, cum patre filio simul adorator, who at the same time with the Father and the Son is adorator, is adored, et con glorificator, and glorified con together with them, qui locutus est per prophetas, who spoke, locutus from locor, deponent verb, he spoke per prophetas, through the prophets. And once again, et unam, so we need a credo here, et credo in unam sanctum, and I believe in one holy Catholic at apostolic ecclesia, an apostolic church. Of course, in our uh, creed, we would uh, ca capitalize catholicum, uh, and these are the four marks of the church, aren't they? I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And then finally, confide or unum baptisma in remissionem peccatorum, I confess, or I, I give witness to, I confess one baptism in remissionum, for the remission of sins, et expecto, and I wait for, uh, better than even uh, expect, I wait on resurrectionum mortuorum, the resurrection of the dead, et vitam venturi seculi, and the life of the age about to come, and the life of the world to come, the age to come, seculi in the genitive, modified by venturi, the future active participle, what kind of age is it? Is it? It's an age about or going to come. The life of the world to come. So there you have it. Amen. The end of the creed, the entire creed. Um, and I think you can see it pretty clearly in Latin. Very straightforward Latin, right? We didn't do our, uh, our second reading. Uh, it com completes, uh, or at least uh, continues, with the prologue to John's Gospel, which is recited uh, as the last Gospel at the in the Old Mass. We might just quickly look over that. It's talking about the the light that came into the world in mundo er. He was in the world at mundus per ipsum facus and the world was made per ipsum through him at mundus eum non coniovit. And the world knew him not, did not know him. In propria venit, he came into his own, to his own things. At sui, and his own people did not recheperunt, would not receive him. Quote, quote, autem recheperunt him. However, but, uh, autem, however, however many did receive him, he gave, dated age, he gave to them the power, potestatem, Filios dei fieri, to become fieri, to become filios dei, to become children or sons of God, sons and daughters of God. He's, and to those created who believe in nomine eus in his name, qui non ex sanguinibus, neque ex voluntate carnis, neque ex voluntate viri, sed ex deo nati sunt. There's your verb. And those who believe in his name, who are not born from blood, nor from the will of the flesh, nor from the will of man, but from God. There you have it. Well, that completes Unit 23, all of our exercises, and that completes our Latin class this time around, Latin 2. 
Now recall what I uh, mentioned to you the last time. We will be uh, taking a break now for the next several weeks as we move into the season of Lent. And uh, we will resume again with the next chapter of Collins in the Latin 3 class sometime around Easter. Please uh, watch out uh, for the announcement. Check the St. Agnes portal. Uh, but we will be up and running again at that point. Um, in the meantime, I hope that uh, this little break will give you time to catch up if you're behind on uh, these lessons, to review these lessons, to go back and study your exercises and your readings. And remember, as always, if you have any questions in the meantime, during this break, please drop me an email at may at stoloff.edu and ask me uh, your questions about Latin or anything else that, uh, f that uh, occurs to you. But uh, particularly Latin questions, I think I can answer those better uh, than I can answer questions about most anything. So uh, it's been a real pleasure being uh, with you these several weeks for these many lessons. Uh, I hope that uh, these Latin lessons have been beneficial to you and I uh, hope you've learned something. And I look forward to resuming again and um, completing our study of grammar uh, in the Collins book that indeed will enable you with the help of a dictionary to read most any ecclesiastical or liturgical text. Have a good day, a good week. And uh, until we meet again, take care.